Mark Tuohy, advisor to business and political leaders, is on the morning brief today. Good to have you, sir. Good morning, John Moore. All right, let's bundle together, I don't know if we can call it Twittergate, but uh, we have the MPP JAMA apologizing. We've got a federal civil servant who's fairly high-ranking, who's got a history of anti-Israel posts. And the pilot for Air Canada just surrendered his probably $250,000 a year job for getting all busy on social media in favor of Palestine. So the casualties just keep coming. Yeah, people who are victims of their own stupidity uh, in many ways. Look, this is a very complex situation. I spent uh, a couple of years living in that region, and every every month that I lived and worked there, you know, a new layer of the complexity became apparent. But there is no place for complexity in the immediate aftermath of a horrific, brutal, inhuman attack. If you remember post 9-11, there was no ability to converse with our American friends for up to a decade in some cases about any international world affairs because people are hurting in the moment. This is not the time or the place to say, yeah, well, the antecedent cause, no one cares. People were brutally slaughtered by Hamas terrorists. And Hamas is a terrorist organization. It's defined as such by the government of Canada. So there is no, you know, splitting hairs when it comes to Hamas. Palestinians are a people from a place. We can, we can feel sympathy for Palestinians, more of whom have been slaughtered and more of whom have been put upon by Hamas and other terrorist organizations than by anybody else. So I have sympathy for them. But in this moment, my heart, my sympathy are with Israel. What do you make, and I don't want to dwell on this forever, but you know, it came up, I was having lunch with a friend yesterday, and uh, they were being pressured by their business manager to make a statement about Israel and Palestine. And I just thought, you know, now we've gone from whatever you did post is wrong to why haven't you posted something? Yeah, I think that's a dangerous and slippery slope. I actually teach uh, a couple of classes about this very issue, not with regard to uh, Palestinians and, and Israel, but with regard to businesses who feel compelled to get involved in a social justice cause that touches them. And it's dangerous. You have a lot of factors to weigh. I mean, if you can avoid getting involved in something when nobody was expecting you to say anything in the first place, from a business perspective, that's probably the best course. But if there is some reason why you feel you need to say something because you have employees with, uh, you know, with uh, connections in that region, or you have customers, or you live in a community that's touched by it particularly, then sometimes you do have to say something. But you have to be very careful what you say because this is a time when people are hurting, and so you know, trite comments or on the other hand statements are not going to win you any friends. Okay, so Toronto City Council, busy, 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 yesterday approving a hike in the vacant home tax. I'm still trying to figure out how you establish whether or not a place is open or closed. I have this sort of vision of a Soviet-era guy in a red jacket tapping on doors with a silver hammer to determine if anybody lives there. Well, their first iteration of the vacant home tax, I understand the policy objective here, and I kind of support the idea that homes shouldn't be left forever vacant, but 
the original iteration of this was a complete failure. I mean, they thought there would be thousands and thousands of vacant homes in the city. Uh, there were 2,000. Uh, they thought this would raise tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. It did not. Uh, right now, the only way you know that a home is vacant is when a homeowner signs a form saying, hey, my home is vacant. And not many people do that. And so by, you know, in tripling the cost of having a vacant home, what they've done is really tripled the requirement for enforcement and an intelligence apparatus to spy on people and figure out which homes are occupied and which aren't. And they're going to encourage more and more people to get around it and you know one could i would expect that we might see an increase in demolition requests because uh, the value of a single family home is not in the structure it's in the land and the land can presumably be left undeveloped if you bulldoze the house therefore there's no vacant home yeah, I figure this is mostly targeting condos that people have bought the way they buy stocks. And so, you know, if we can find a way to get those condos occupied, then we free up housing, which apparently is an emergency. Yeah, we could be, or we could uh, get all of the red tape that the city puts in place and build more. Sure. Uh, but, you know, that would be something that would require work on the behalf of, you know, civil servants. But this will also create a huge new department of people going out to snoop and find out who lives where. And so that's good for civil servants. I, I set aside a story from yesterday because we were hoping for your special insight and we get it this morning because you happen to be on the morning brief. Uh, but the story was about how soldiers are asking for donations to help Help them with housing and food costs and I think there's a highly technical aspect to this story but also I mean I looked up uh, on a recruitment page what soldiers are making and it's not exactly poverty wages no, the pay isn't the issue here. This is an embarrassment for the government. It's an embarrassment for the minister and the chief of defense staff uh, that soldiers have to go begging for uh, money to feed their families and house them. This is, I would say, a direct result of a policy that was implemented in the 90s while I was still in the service where... There used to, if you go on a military base uh, in Canada, there are very few of them remaining, but there used to be housing for married uh, soldiers and their families that they could rent at an affordable cost, and there used to be a, a post exchange, a Canex, a department store that sold food and clothes at prices soldiers could afford because we didn't used to pay them very well. And then Treasury Board set a policy saying it's illegal to compete with the private sector outside the gate. And so they started getting rid of housing and said you had to live on the market. Uh, and they got rid of, or they banned the, the practice of selling anything including a barbershop haircut at cheaper than the guy outside the gate. And so we created an environment where soldiers have to live in the economy. And if they have to live in the economy, then it matters where you live. And we can take a, 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 I was an infantry captain. I got paid the same whether I worked in Kamloops, BC and paid $700 or $400 a month in rent. And then they posted me to Winnipeg where I immediately had to pay $700 a month in rent because that was the market going right. I didn't get a penny more in terms of my pay because that's not how the military works and now they've already they've also changed the um, what would be called like a post differential which was uh, look you're going to a higher price 
area we're going to give you a subsidy an extra bit of money to your pay while you're here to cover the additional cost of living in downtown toronto if that's where you have to live compared to living in nunavut and uh, they've gotten rid of that they've changed it to another mechanism that isn't helping as many soldiers and we know that to be true because the point of the effort was to reduce the cost so now you have soldiers who are forced to live in the economy their pay doesn't change it is a good rate but the cost of living is going up for everybody soldiers and Okay. Well, and that makes sense. And it's a silly change because private corporations have always paid uh, you an allowance if they compel you to live somewhere to be able to cover the differential. Yeah, or if you, like if I'm a consultant and I'm working in Toronto compared to uh, Saskatchewan, I charge more because the market rate is higher. You can't do that if you're in the military. And uh, they're closing up a road on rainy nights for endangered <laughs> salamanders. Um, is that a worthy endeavor? I don't know, and the temptation <laughs> to just be cynical of this one is high, uh, but uh, hopefully it's not too many rainy nights, and hopefully it's also a safety feature, because I imagine driving over a bunch of squishy salamanders in the rain is <laughs> perhaps a safety hazard. I'm going to take that look at it. Um, you know, God bless the salamanders, but I hope they, we don't find them everywhere else, because I'm sure if we start looking, we'll find them. Mark Tui, thanks a lot. Good to have you this morning. Thanks, Don.